I somehow accidentally hit the space bar while tracking the other day. I don't know what's happened to it. I think it's probably because we just eat it all the I time. I think it gets ha- it's hammered down, so it's just compressed it's just really, on itself. It's, yeah. You can whisper and it touches. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm going to have to go again. <laughs> I, I've I just know, stopped. I was like, oh, sorry, just a technical thing on my end. <laughs> can just go from the top. Not a lie. Not a lie. But Should it happen? Welcome back to the Mix Forge podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm joined by Neil. Hi. Elliot. Hello. That's one person, not mm. two. Um, yeah, it's been a while, but here we are. We're back. And it's been a while because we've been a little bit busy. Yeah, it's the gen- genuine, real reason. Yeah. I've enjoyed doing these podcasts uh, and... We've had a li- you know, some feedback from a couple of people saying they found it interesting, but gen- genuinely, the last I don't, year, it's just it's been non-stop. It's not really yeah. been a window to go. Oh, let's sack off doing some work this afternoon. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, do a podcast. So yeah, we've been intending to do more, but the diaries have not been that permitting, um, which. Is a good thing, mm. in a way, because it means the blacksmiths is uh, nice and busy and we're doing lots of good work. Um, but we're forcing ourselves to do another couple of these. Uh, Found a window. Got a little window here. Got a little window and on a Tuesday still got work to do oh, later on today. <laughs> plenty. Yeah. The day is not done. The day is by far done. Um, we've got a little pocket. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about with you, Neil. And the first one, just because this is quite fresh in the mind, because it's something that we've definitely been active with more over the recent couple of years, is reference tracks. Mm. When I say reference track, Neil, what am I talking about? You're talking about what the client wants, envisages their, their, their final product, piece of music, piece of art, mm-hmm. to resemble or what us as producers stroke mix engineers are aiming for so a piece of music that's that we would have in high regard or the the artist would have in high regard that we are going to reference to 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 aim for so it could be it could be for a vocal sound so so someone you know they could say oh i want my vocal to sound like this particular artist, you know, I don't know. I can't think of any artists now, but, <laughs> but you know, Adele. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do is we'd listen to a particular Adele track and go, okay, other than the ridiculous talent that lady has, what's going on with the vocal sound? Yeah. And how can we try and emulate it? And also, we'll get onto this, but does... <laughs> Is Adele a good reference track for this artist that we're recording? Is there any similarities? No, yeah. it's a it's a man. <laughs> okay, probably not a good reference track. But um, if it's a really good female singer, 
possibly a good reference track. Yeah. So, would you, I would could you sum it up with maybe like stylistically? That mm. it's a stylistic thing in terms of, and maybe even not just mixing, mm. but even potentially like arrangement. Yeah, I mean from the get go, I I and I've had to learn this. I think for years I was actually scared of reference tracks because my brittle ego and anxiety issues would go well i'm never going to be as good as this so i kind of want to ignore it yeah you're directly comparing yeah. your current level <laughs> to some of the greatest records ever and made so you'd, and you're like mm, bit, go, of a, bit of a gap you'd go oh well i just want to give up now because what i've done is absolute turd compared to this amazing recording but um what i've learned is to get over that and actually these things will help you get better. And so by embracing that, you go right from the get-go. If you're working with a new band or a new artist, it would be, what are we aiming for? What are, you, what are your influences? Yeah. And then it is genuinely right at the beginning of the session, you know, in these days with Spotify just sitting there on the computer, let's have a listen. So I'm just immediately try, it's trying to get onto the wavelength of the person you're recording yeah because not everyone wants the same thing and not and, and what you really have to learn is not everyone wants what you want yeah. what you what your tastes this plays are. into you know considering what we do as a service industry and we are the people that can help an artist achieve and i've definitely encountered some people who don't really they don't have any idea, you know, or, or have any sort of yeah. thing of what they want to sound like. But some people do have a very specific sound. And it's, would you say usually it comes from what they enjoy listening to themselves? Yeah. So it's, you know, when you start a band, you, you'll have, you have the artists and the albums you love and you're trying to kind of trying to emulate that. You know, you're, you're, you love that world. And then you're trying to create that world yourself and trying to immerse yourself in it. And so part of the fun and the journey is like, how, how did they get, how did they get that vocal sound or that snare sound or whatever? But like you said, some people actually don't know what they want. So, so they, how do you deal with that? Uh, I make recommendations. So I would say, okay, well, let's, let's hear your song. And then I go, okay. And this is just another good reason why we like to get demos. Yes. Off bands before we, you know, enter the studio. You don't want to just start tracking with, and this this has come up again, maybe with more specifically mixing, but it all starts with the tracking is what is the end goal mm. really, isn't it? Yeah. What are you aiming for? If you just start mixing aimlessly, you're going to, you're going to go awry and more likely end up with an unhappy client. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, beginning of the session, and and that's what I mean. Yeah, like getting a um, hearing their song before, then we have an idea of maybe what what they should be doing. Or we, we've just got to get on the same wavelength as them, and really, and, and I think both of one of us. Some <clears throat> some people and producers are very tribal about what they like. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as they stay within that world 
so it's like you know like <clears throat> people can be very tribal about their music so they'll they're like this is what i like and everything else is rubbish which is absolutely fine and as a producer you sort of like can be like that but you have to live you can't try and do something else i think you and me both are very like we both grew up like i when i first got into music it was oasis or nothing you know and that is very much the oasis mentality like even the band themselves well, that's what you've got tattooed on your back <laughs> even the band themselves like constantly slag off other artists and say and so when i was 14 it, everything else sounded shit to me and it was literally just like you know what story morning glory that's it and then I grew up and realised, then, then I got into, like, when I first heard Master of Puppets by Metallica, I was like, what the fuck is this? This isn't, it's just not even music. And then something clicked and I, I just listened to it and I was like, oh no, it's actually incredible. And then that just opened up a whole world to me of metal. And then I think if you can get into metal, it opens your mind a little bit to like, oh no, I really like this. I like how it makes me feel. And then as I got older, I started getting into some more pop. I never liked pop music. And then I started to appreciate and then really get into pop music. And then as I've become a producer and worked in all these, excuse me, in all these different genres, I've I just have an appreciation across the spectrum of music, mm. really, and realised actually you can appreciate anything. You've just got to understand. If you, if you just dismiss it, it's because you don't understand it. But if you actually take the time to try and understand it, it can become a magical thing. So I think one of the skills of us as producers is to, to be able to have that open mind and then go into that world. Go into the world with the band. Okay, today we're living in this world. Let's really embrace it. And I'll listen to loads of music of that style and just part of the enjoyment is trying to understand that genre. Yeah, I think... Um... So we had a, a recent example of a, a band got in touch with us about uh, mixing a record and they'd recorded it somewhere else and they were really happy with the recording and then they got the mix and they hated it and they said the mix was ruined and they sent me both versions, the studio mix and then a mix they'd done at home and on first listen, the studio mix was really good and and this is bearing in mind that the artist had said they'd ruined the mix had ruined it. Yeah, ruined. So I was expecting to hear like the just dross, dross. <laughs> yeah, the worst mix. But the mix was really good. But the key thing is, when speaking to that band, they wanted to sound like Oasis, and this mix didn't sound like Oasis, and that's then you're like, okay, we understand. Although this mix is really good, it's not actually what the client wants. One of the big differences being the drums. On this studio mix, they were upfront, punchy. All the things we like. <laughs> yeah, all the things we like. But you put on, definitely maybe, the drums are sat back, they're big, they're washy. It's guitar heavy. And so our analysis is that conversation of what's the reference, what do you want to sound like? didn't happen or got lost in translation and that's that would be hours that was spent on that mix and probably be really proud of it and then to get back basically oh you've ruined it you know we've been there with the negative 
feedback. And that's why we believe that, you know, that, that conversation and those, those references, we learn, we learn, you learn the hard way. Yeah. Are, are really important. If you start going down the wrong path with a production, it's almost no coming back yeah. from it. And it will be, re it's really hurtful is not the right word, but it's really disheartening because you feel like it's really good what I've done, but they hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it would be better if I'd have done nothing. And, and sometimes we have to make, you know, you, you have your own personal sort of opinions or decisions on what you think the production should do. And a lot of the time you have to put them aside and, um, you know, go, that's not what I'd do, but it's, it's what, it's what they want. Yeah. You know, let's talk about some maybe like specifics of what we'd get out of a reference track, you know, and what we're looking for because very difficult to actually recreate something because the, the, the process is so, especially if it's like an older recording, you know, analog and obviously digital and just the equipment and players. There's so, there's so many things that are different, mm. but so when you're, you're listening to a reference track, let's talk about drums. What's, what are those key things that you're kind of picking out that you can then take? Yeah. You can't take everything, but you can pick out key components. First of all, is it live drums or electronic? Okay, it's usually live drums. Uh, and it also depends what point at what point you're listening to the reference track. So is it first up, you're just working with a solo artist and what is it you want to do? Cool. Oh, this is electronic drums. Okay. No, this is live drums. Cool. Right. We're going to have to book a session drummer. But I think what we're more talking about is when we're getting maybe to the tracking, we've got a band in, they've said they like Nirvana. Nirvana. Let's have a listen. Cool. Okay. So it's just this really spanking, awesome, but very natural sounding drum sound. So straight up front, it's like, you got to try and play the drums like Dave Grohl, <laughs> which no one can do, but he's, he's hitting those drums hard. So straight off the bat, if we're tracking the drums and, the, and I've got that in my head, I've got, they want Nirvana, they, are, they want Nirvana and the drummer is tapping the drums. You got to say as a producer, okay, you remember you said you wanted it to sound like Dave Grohl drumming, you need to be hitting those drums harder because that's not how Dave Grohl would be hitting them. And I can't, I can't get anywhere near <laughs> that sound. So that's straight off the bat. And if you haven't listened to that reference track and you haven't gotten the same wavelength for them, you may have just let that go. Obviously sort of tuning of the drums, you know, choices about how ringy the snare might be, how deadened the drums might be, you know. Oh, like you listen to Royal Blood and it's quite a dead, dry, drum sound uh you listen to led, led zeppelin's always the classic but it's like a very ambient you know um sort of roomy drum sound so these are gonna these are gonna affect your decisions when you're miking up the drums and when you're tuning the drums and deadening the drums or not deadening the drums yeah you have you got any sort of as a drummer yourself and, and drum. as a session drummer who you know you've drummed on countless sessions yeah it's it's the snare drum <laughs> it's the big one isn't it it's yeah. the snare drum like you know i'd say to to be fair you know most people and including us we we don't have a vast selection of kits or symbols you know available so it would be lovely to be like what are you going for 70s cool i've got a ludwig 
I've got a Gretsch with coated skins, mm. you know. A lot of the time it's the the same drum kit, you know, or, or someone might bring one in, but it, it's just not good enough to record. Mm. So, you know, the, we have to use the house kit. and But snare drum is one where you do have a, a selection. And, you know, I've got a variety of snare drums. And the, the two at the extreme ends are uh, a deep brass snare and a maple snare which is really toppy and pingy and doesn't have much of the actual snare whereas the brass one is big round warm and gives you that rattle so essentially in a nutshell if you're doing an indie sort of thing the brass snare is going to win because it's got that warm deep sort of sound if you're doing something a bit more up tempo and you know the Maybach so that's one where you're really going to struggle to alter post-production mm. and that's just a quite an easy simple one and it's it's something that you know most people don't mo most drummers don't think of mm. they don't really for me it was actually in the in the noughties it was when like the piccolo oh, snare yeah, I was literally gonna bring up Limp you know Biscuit. deftones Limp Bizkit, <laughs> like it was that incredibly like Little. a big fat round kick drum and then a tiny little pingy snare. pingy cracky sort of snare and obviously like in scars into that and you got that sort of thing um so I did buy, you know, a piccolo Along snare. Along with thousands of, of other yeah, yeah. kids yeah. from the noughties. Yeah. Um, so that's quite an important one. And we do have here a few options that can at least just give us enough contrast to get us But it's know, where that reference, again, if someone came in and said, oh, we really like the Limp Biscuit snare sound, it would be like, okay, cool. We need to get hold of a piccolo snare then. Yeah. Or, or like we need yeah. to tighten the skin. We need to get this... Well, I don't. Uh, why do we care about snares so much? Like, as as music consumers, like it's just a, a percussive thing that generally hits on the two and the four, but it really can make or break a mix in yeah. any genre. I mean, I've heard people, could, you know, compare it. It's the second most important thing behind the vocal. Yeah, it's crazy, and I and it know. is. I agree that it is. Is it because that's the beat you bop your head on? You know, like is that's it, the... it's genre defining. Yeah. So, like, drum it's and... the closest we can get to having a distortion pedal, like <laughs> changing the drum sound. Yeah, it's it's the one that's got the most because it's so loud in the mix, and it's so especially in modern music, it's so loud in the mix and so cutting. So it's very um, generally, unless you're trying to emulate Oasis, it's very it's very clear in the mix, and and it and it is genre defining. So if it's the if it's the wrong snare sound for what the genre that you're going for you've you've fallen you've i mean it, fallen you, you know it, it's given you the 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 top bit of the backbeat the twos and the fours it's usually starting drum fills it's usually, it's bringing in sections mm. it's a very important maybe because it is so cutting it's a real like indicator of something's happening or something's mm. changing So anyway, let's move on to sort of like you've done the best you can with terms of matching performance and, and gear and now you're in the mixing sort of phase. So you're when you're listening to that Nirvana song, what what are you listening for? And you're you're, you're close. Let's say you're close yeah. as close as you could the, get. The key the key thing. So this is the this is actually where reference tracks really come into their own. It's so 
and this is fair, it's probably why you brought it up, but it's so fresh in my mind because I've literally had to reference a Nirvana track recently. So you essentially, what am I listening for? I'm, I'm listening to just general levels for starters. It's like, okay, here's this track of Nevermind, like one of the greatest albums ever, in my opinion. Wow, that, that bait. And, I, and the critical thing is I'm listening to it in the environment that I'm mixing it in. Yeah. That's the critical thing. So normally, you know, when I've ever listened to Nevermind before, it would have just been in my car or, you know, through a hi-fi back in the back in the late 90s or, or whatever. And now I really enjoy this part. It's like I'm listening to this song that I know really well, but I'm now listening in my my mixing environment. And if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, we use the Slate VSX, which are these amazing speaker emulating headphones. So I'll load the Nirvana song uh, into Pro Tools and I'll listen to it on my Slate VSX headphones through the speakers that I will be mixing on. And I turn it on, I'm like, wow, the bass is loud. The bass yeah. is louder than I would have instinctively mixed it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Immediately, the reference track has told me, mix that bass loud. Yeah. Because they want, never mind. And the bass is loud, it's clear, and it's up front. Um, so bass, just your bass level is such a critical part of the reference. Snare, as we spoke about, just the level of the snare. Yeah, and quite often it's like it's really loud. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's quite set back. Um, I noticed with, uh, is it Lounge Act? Is that the song? Is there a so- song called Lounge Act or Nevermind? Something like that. I noticed with the, that song, it was like the kick's very punchy. It's quite a short kick. Quite a short and punchy kick. Um, what I will sometimes do is quite, sometimes it's quite hard to hear if the bass is mixed below the kick drum or above the kick drum. So what I mean by that is you have a frequency spectrum and in very general terms, you, you might decide to mix the kick in the sub regencies, So like the 60 hertz area and then the bass mix above it in the frequency range around 120. And what I might do is bring up a frequency spectrum analyzer, which shows me the frequencies of the music as it's playing. And I can actually see with my eyes, oh, I can see the kicks punching out in the sub region and the bass is moving around or it could be the other way around and so that might I put my personal preference is I usually mix the kick below the bass yeah but it is genre specific or track specific um but the reference track will, will sort of push me in a direction with that so without the reference track I'll I'd just be flying solo doing whatever I think. But actually, if I'm going for this Nirvana track, oh, the kick's actually above the bass. I'm going to be mixing the bass below. Um, then it really, it is just like those levels of like, yeah, like, oh, how loud are the vocals? And actually with Nirvana, they're not super loud. It's not, not, not quiet, but it's not really, really, really upfront vocals like some stuff. It's sort of sat in there. Top end, and then the top end of the overall mix. How bright is the mix? That's a real key part of referencing. So you might you come back after having a cup of tea with slight fresh ears, and you go, "I'm just going to listen to my reference track to just get my ears accustomed." 
and then I'll flick on to my track and I go, wow, my track's dull. Wow, okay, so I just really need to brighten up, brighten things up. Or the opposite, oh, my track's way too bright and harsh. I need to tone things down in, the, in those. Sometimes with vocals, it can be like, what, what spatially are the vocals doing? So this is a really common one. I almost put singers into two different categories. You have the singers... Good and bad. <laughs> if only it was that simple. Uh, you have the singers who kind of want the vocals to sound like they haven't been processed. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what they'll say. They say, we want it to sound raw and like with no effects on it. But that's not really what they mean. Because you want it raw and with no effects on, it will sound rubbish. Yeah, It will sound dull if it's not being compressed it will just will not cut through your mix. It will get lost. But what they mean, and I've learned, is they don't want it to sound like it's got any reverbs on it or any spatial stuff, any delays, reverbs. Um, so what what I tend to do in that sort of instance is I, I will use a reverb, but a very short reverb that is very, very quiet, but will just help glue the vocal to the track. And if you don't have it, the track will just sound detached. Vocal sounds very disjointed, doesn't yeah. it? It doesn't sound part of it. It's not yeah. sitting in the mix, it's just sitting on it. And so, but it is, it's so subtle. It's a short reverb that just sits the track down. Um, Panning of guitars, things like that. Are you, are you yep. taking that yep. from reference? Um, quickly, just to finish on singers, the other type of singer is the one who wants to hear delay on the vocals, a big reverb. I think distortion and vocals can work in both camps. Uh, and saturation is actually really important on vocals and I use it all the time, but it can be anything from very subtle to really, really distorted and gnarly. But both can work and it's not right or wrong, it's just what the client wants and what the reference track's telling you. Uh, guitar panning. Uh, yeah, so listen to your reference track. What, wh- how are the guitars sitting? Um, what is the really on a on a larger sort of question of what is the general stereo field of the track? So there's the obvious things like ninety nine point nine percent of of music, modern music, is kick snare down the middle, bass down the middle, vocals down the middle, and then everything else off center sitting around those that spine of the track. But I remember listening to an Arctic Monkeys track reference. I was like, wow, those guitars sound wide. They just sound so wide. How were they doing? It sounds amazing. How were they doing that? And yes, the guitars were hard panned. Yes, you can use things like a stereo expander, which kind of, it's, a, it's an effect that kind of tricks the brain that it's a little bit wider. But there's only you can only use that subtly, and you can only pan it a hundred percent. You can't pan it mm. more than a hundred percent. And my mix still doesn't sound as wide as this Arctic Monkeys one. How are they doing it? And the thing I learned is actually all about relativity. So the reason those guitars sound so wide is because the drums are really narrow. So what they've done, they've kept the cymbals. And the toms, the things that you you 
you know, you can mix really wide. So you can mix your overheads like 100% left and 100% right. So the cymbals sound very panned apart from each other and the toms go like from one speaker to the other speaker. But if you do that, your guitars won't sound as wide. And what the, the whoever mixed this particular Arctic Monkeys track, they've done, the, the, the drums sounded amazing, but they were very narrow which left space for guitars to really be out there. And it sounded amazing. And I, that was a big thing I learned was about relativity. And another trick is quite often you have a verse that is bopping along and sounds cool. And then the chorus comes in it and the track just seems to lift and get wider. And so a little trick is you keep things narrow in the verse. You, keep, you might pan the guitars 50% for the verse and then when you want the chorus to take off, you change, you automate the panning to go 100%. And it's quite, it's subtle. You don't necessarily hear the movement of the guitars, but what you hear is like the mix get wider. And because of that, if the guitars had been 100% in the verse and not changed in the chorus, you wouldn't have got that lift. But that relativity of it changing is what lifts the chorus. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think it's um you know reference tracks are are really key for both artist and producer mix engineer to give you that that vision and i think either way whether you're using one or not knowing what you want it to sound like at the end i you know i want and almost verbalizing and i think we should do another episode at one point about language used for describing yeah. things in yeah, recording yeah. and and actually the, the translations we kind of have to make from clients you know who say i want it to sound more raw there's other words that would probably be better suited mm. to describe that and how how do we translate that into something we can actually do you know in pro tools or with with plugins um something that always sort of plagues me with 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 reference tracks and i completely understand reference tracks i need to be better at using reference tracks is maybe this sounds like, like more like a, like a philosophical mm. question i don't know what the answer is and i don't know and this isn't this is almost semi-rhetorical mm. if we keep making stuff sound like records in the past when how are we yep creating new well things yes there's, there's, and I I know yeah, the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's, that's let's the thing. Try, I, let's, I, let's delve into this because it's interesting. Because if I'm trying to make a band who grew up in the '90s, they like Oasis, and then we're mixing their track to sound like Oasis, like what's the point? What's the point? We're stuck in a loop. Where's the revolution coming? That decision as a is not for us to make. That's the artists. So an artist might go massively influenced by like well let's let's stick with oasis but i want to be the modern i want to i want to take all this influence of oasis but i want it produced in this 2020 style with punchy drums and i want to use synthesizers but it's still taking the essence and the inspiration of oasis that's the artist's decision though and it's not it's not ours unless yeah. we are the unless we've been invited into that as a producer to go how do you envisage this to sound so it's it's an artistic choice isn't it 
but 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 music does naturally uh, and mixing does further music on i think it's just a case by case thing yeah you have people who are really retro and just really want things because we you know we've done stuff where we've used billy eilish as a reference and it's like what were what were they referencing? Were they referencing anything? Well, or were they just... They didn't mix it, for starters. No. So, what were their influences? They didn't yeah. record it. And what was that conversation? It. Was there yeah. a conversation? What happened? But everything through from production and tracking, you know. Yeah. And and so, and I guess that's that's what makes people elevate to, innovate. The, to the biggest, you to have become your, the biggest artists. Yes. You in have the world. your innovators, and most people aren't. But you have your people who have a vision of something that's not been done before. But I would say most people are, it's that nostalgia thing almost of like, we're, I'm trying to do what my favorite artist did. Yeah. But it will be original because it's our take on it and it's our, it's our voice. Yeah. Um, but it is an interesting sort of talking point. Yeah. So there we go. That's sort of reference tracks and why they're beneficial um and don't right at the end of it after it's been mastered going oh i wanted it to sound like yeah don't change your mind <laughs> oh you didn't, you didn't i've vote. had that before i've had the reference track sent to me after i've mixed it no we want it to sound like this now but we've I, learned but I, but I asked you <laughs> yeah it is, it is i asked you and you said just do it like the other ones <laughs> and then i did and then i had oh actually can the vocals sound more like this and it was a really big reverb and then the rest of the band hated it yeah well yeah also yeah agree yeah with agree your with, with yourselves you know what, what you want it to sound like yeah because otherwise our job's impossible if you're not in agreement we'll have a little game of ping yeah. pong where <laughs> and guitarist... i did have a can you we want the tambourine like this track cool okay i put it in my in pro tools i was like Man, that tambourine is so loud. Now I can't, all I hear is tambourine. Yeah. And so, you know, put tambourine on this track and it was like, well, they want it like this. I'm going to make it quite prominent. And then it was, oh, can you turn the tambourine down? Yeah, of course I can. But that was, yeah. <laughs> I was working to a reference and... The wo- the the woes of a <laughs> recording, stroke mixing, stroke producing engineer. Yeah. We'll always have something to moan about. And maybe we could do an episode of Gripes. The Gripe. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Cool. Thanks for Neil. Thanks for your time. Thanks for Neil. Yeah. It's been a long day. Thanks for for Ben. Still got quite a few hours of this day to go. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be back with another one soon. Cheerio. Cheerio.